The countdown starts. Four, three, two, one. This is Rachel, and welcome to the podcast version of Competition Countdown. The Vocaholics are the fiercest acapella group at NYU, a gender-inclusive TTBB group. With members from all across NYU, they aim to cultivate a diverse group of singers and friends who share a love of performing. At the beginning of the 2016-2017 school year, they officially announced that they had decided to become a gender-inclusive a cappella group rather than an all-male one. What this means is that although their songs are arranged for tenor, baritone, and bass vocal parts, they will accept any member regardless of their gender identity, instead focusing on their vocal capability. They had an awesome quarters this year at ICCA, where they won awards for Outstanding Soloist for Will Farnham and Anthony Plantine for Walk on Water, Outstanding VP for Julian James for the entire set, and Outstanding Arrangement for Leonard Santos for the entire set. We are so thrilled to welcome the Vocaholics to Competition Countdown. Hey guys, how you doing? Hi! So... I always start in the same place, which is what prompted you guys to to decide that ICCAs was the thing you wanted to focus your time on this year? So, yeah, uh, when you uh, talked about our choice to become uh, gender inclusive, that was a large part of changing our identity as a group. And I think Leonard can speak a little more to this since he was around for this decision. But we wanted to uh, buckle down and start becoming competitive. So that was three years ago we first decided to compete. And uh, there were uh, a lot of bumps in the road, for sure. But every year, every year that we've decided to compete, I think we've uh, developed a stronger identity of who we are, developed a sense of what the competition entails, and gotten better. So it's been fun, yeah. Yeah, we are actually one of the youngest groups at NYU at the moment. And when I joined uh, at the beginning of my first year in college, uh, we were basically like an all-male group that was trying to basically become like this like singing fraternity. And um, as the years have gone on, um, we changed many, many things about ourselves. So we've been very much in like a transition state, um, becoming both more diverse in the identities that we carry, as well as more ambitious in the sense that we decide to carry on. And one of the biggest ones was in um, sophomore year, we really pushed the group to do the ICCA for the first time. Um, we did not do so well the first time around. Um, if there's anything that I'm really continually astounded by, it's the amount of work and the amount of work that people are willing to put in to make the change to become better and evolve over time. And I could not be prouder of where the group has gone now. Yeah. I mean, so in your sort of first foray into ICCA, you mentioned that maybe it wasn't as successful as you had uh, hoped for, but it sounds like this year is going gangbang. Like, <laughs> what, what do you think um, you attribute that change to? That's a good question. I think a lot of it all and this spring, we let in new members, and with those new members comes a pretty significant culture change. Like, you can change two or three members and they already bring with them their own unique energy that contributes a lot to the space. So that's for sure a lot of it. And I think uh, one, uh, Leonard's arrangements have gotten all the more ambitious. <laughs> and since yeah. we're letting in uh, better singers, we can do more and <laughs> more range. Yeah. Yeah. More range, which is lots of fun. We're moving maybe slowly away from the lower arrangements exclusively as we get more uh, female voices. And yeah, I think one of the big thing, big things is we always learn from the ICCAs the previous year. So, yeah. you know, the first year, you know, it was 
you know, we were beginners at it. We didn't really know what we were doing. And then the second year we placed third, which was incredible. We learned from our previous year. And then this year we won first. So every year it just gets better and better. And it just shows the improvement that the group's been uh, showing. And sometimes it just takes the right combination of people to work together. And it it really worked together this year. That's awesome. Uh Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of your set, how did you guys choose the songs that you wanted to compete with? So, (laughs) I mean, you know, the universe of songs is massive, right? So you have lots of choice. Yeah. Choosing songs is definitely a very difficult thing. And as someone that has been arranging for the group since I first joined, and which is actually primarily one of the first reasons, like one of the big reasons why I was let into the group, um, it's been like this giant um, kind of struggle, actually, because um, as an arranger, you have to figure out not necessarily what songs you like the best, but what songs will showcase the talents of the group and which ones will blend together. And what kind of came into this year was thinking about it almost on a strategic standpoint um, and also on an emotional one. Mm -hmm. So we had to think about it a lot about what which singers we had available in the group, which new people were coming in. And then at the end of the day, I also wanted to make sure that we were like telling a story with the songs that we're making. And we actually decided for the first time ever to make all uh, four of the songs that are performing basically one continuous arrangement. Because we, in previous years, actually used to, like, finish a song, we'd stop, and we let the audience clap for, like, 15 seconds before we catch our breath. (laughs) And now, apparently, we forego the need to breathe, and we just (laughs) keep going. Um, And something that I really like, though, is um, another thing that really um, influenced set was not only just decisions made by, like, me and, like, other people, like, on the executive board, but, like, the group coming forward with ideas and things. Megan, actually, over here, she sat, she texted me (laughs) at the end of last semester, a month before um, we were going to meet again for the next semester to really start the ICC rehearsals. And she's like, Leonard, I have the best idea ever. It might be crazy, but just hold on. And she <laughs> took me to um, this coffee shop where she sat me down and basically displayed this like very elegant and passionate presentation of what it's like. And I think that, um, I think that passion and that zeal for um, contributing and collaboration really um, contributed a lot to deciding what went into the set this year. Um, and every single part of this, even though there were people that were the architects of it, we were all the builders of our own house. Yes. I love that. That's beautiful. Um, so I wanted to ask how it felt after you had a chance to perform your set on the stage for the ICCA audience. Oh, God. Oh, Angela, <laughs> Anna, or Anthony? Uh, oh, you go ahead. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it was absolutely amazing uh, for us in particular this year, um, because normally when we've done the ICCA, we perform at the, uh, it's the Society for, for Ethical, Ethical Culture. Culture. Um, <laughs> New York City and it's like, it, that's a great experience too, but like when we went to Hofstra this year, it was like this really big stage with this glowing blue background, and it just felt larger than life. Mm. So it was really cool, especially because um, I know for me personally, like I don't get to perform on a lot of stages. Um, so it was really cool to kind of feel like, like a real like singer and it was like awesome so i would say like that's definitely such an amazing aspect of like the ability to perform in the icca is just that ability to perform on these really grand stages and sing these larger than life songs it's so so cool i bet <laughs> i will definitely say that, that after we stepped off of stage i think like <laughs> like four of us collapsed because we were just so like out of breath and we we're like ah. especially because the last the last one on our side if you actually watched it online 
Um, Julian gives like this, like a, I can't make the sound, like, <laughs> like, the, like the crash. And then we all just put our mics out and we just stare into the audience and then we all solemnly like walk off. <laughs> and the moment that we're out of you, we're like screaming. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's just so much energy that goes into it. Yeah. yeah. I remember, I think Leonard's right in saying that our set this year was kind of this really emotional narrative. So I think that we were all very passionate about what we were doing and we were so invested in the emotions behind our songs that a lot of us kind of got off stage and we stood there for a moment and we were like, <laughs> We really left everything out there. Like, who are we now? Yeah. It, was, it was very involved, and it was just like it was incredible. I was so excited to be able to move on to semis just so that we can do it again. Yeah, so, yeah. Especially because we didn't know anyone there actually either. Like, we were also we were the yeah. last people to perform, which is both a benefit and like because obviously being the closer of a show is great, but also because you sit back and you watch all these other great groups like go up and perform, and then you think to yourself like, or I was thinking to myself like, oh, like they're all really good too. And no matter how much work you put in at the end of the day, like you still, uh, like it's still kind of like, you don't know for sure about anything. So no matter what though, I was like rocking off the stage immediately. I was ready insanely Very proud good. of what we did. Very um, and it was great. Cool. Well, one thing we know for sure is that good things come to those who wait, like the Vocaholics. And we'll be hearing the group doing the said aforementioned Good Things Come to Those Who Wait, originally performed by Nathan Sykes. The solo is Will Farnham, the arranger is Leonard Santos, and the VP is Julian James. Here are the Vocaholics. Hold up, hold up past me. We don't have a license to air music on this podcast. So if you want to hear this interview in its entirety, including all the amazing music that's involved, please go to our website, akaville.org, and subscribe. Now back to your regularly scheduled interview. That was awesome. Well done, guys. Loved it. <laughs> so I wanted to ask next how you guys use the time between quarters and semis to make modifications to your set. And did you, were you able to take a break from it at all to get some newness to it? <laughs> so um, the ICCA took place on a Saturday and I first called Leonard to talk about semis Sunday morning. Um, and- <laughs> so no, there was no break. <laughs> Um, we kind of jumped right into it. So Anthony and I both did the choreography for the set, uh, most of it together. And so we kind of had a lot of phone conferences throughout our spring break, which did fall in the week between quarters and semis. Yeah. And it was just a lot of, you know, implementing the corrections that we got and looking at the set and saying, you know, like, how can we take this to the next level? How can we bring even more fire to the stage? So we've been pretty constantly working now. <laughs> a, big, a big goal for us was uh, finding a way to improve the set in terms of, I guess, the narrative content and just making it uh, either more clear or just really digging into the emotions that we first established in our original performance, um, really honing in on that and figuring out what about each song is really, really special um, and adjusting a couple things here and there vocally and choreographically just to better fit the set. Um, but for the most part, we were we were rather proud of you know what we did in the initial one. Um, so it's, I guess right now for us, it's just a matter of um, doing some tweaks here and there, and just really refining what we already have because I think what we have is pretty pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys feel like you've learned this year on the journey? Oh wow! I, maybe we're a little too close to it to to draw specific things, but I think one thing I have learned from a positive reinforcement perspective is the way to prepare right before you're going on stage. Really being unified as a group, really making sure you're all on the same page. And uh, this year in particular, I think we did a great job of almost meditating on the thematic content of what we were doing 
expressing gratitude for every one of our members' contributions to to what we are putting together here and uh, emphasizing that this could be the last time we have the opportunity to share this really special thing we made together. So if your focus is there and not on, oh, where do I stand in this part? Or the, the little nitpicky stuff, once that's all in place, it's really all about bringing all the passion you can and sharing that with lots of cool people. <laughs> I love that. Do you guys have a special sort of tradition that you do before you step onto the stage? Is there something you can do to help bring that energy together or focus you or hype you up? What I will say is um, Megan and Anthony did a really good job telling us how much um, how much energy is really needed for this set, especially since we're a group that's well known for our energy and our, and our positivity and just the passion we bring to the stage. We just wanted to make sure that we didn't forget that we were, when we were on the stage. So once we were on that stage, we were just letting it loose and just letting all the emotions fly and you know, the results happen. So yeah. that's, that's really what In terms of about. traditions, I would say that, well, number one, we're really big fans of huddling in circles. Oh, yeah. And like one of us like be giving like this really like, you know, like in like in like dramatic sports movies, there's always like the coach <laughs> that, like, that like gives like the, and you have all meant the world to me and you are also the world to each other. Like that kind of thing. Or like um, in, a, in a way, we were all the fifth. Like, you know what I mean? But um, in this way, we're all. Um, no, but in a lot of ways, I think that we definitely do like a lot of things uh, backstage. We have like this warm up that we do <laughs> um, called Wandering Through the Woods, in which we, um, it's the last warm up that we do before we like go into either rehearsals and before we like perform and basically we uh say like we are and then any member of the group can call it like an action or like a noun so if someone says like we are jumping through the lovely woods we'll all start jumping throughout the room (laughs) one time someone said or multiple times some people said um the floor is lava so it's like the floor is lava through and then we all just jump up and don't touch the floor so that's always a fun time but um, more often than not, usually it's just the right before we go on, we usually hold hands and yeah. and just like wish each other the best. We're very emotional. So I wanted to switch to a little bit of a more serious topic, I guess, about um your switch from being all male to being gender inclusive. And that sounds, I mean, that is uh, that is starting to happen more and more frequently um, as evidence with like the whiff and poofs and groups like that that are starting to, to um, broaden their definition of, of voices that belong. What prompted you guys to do that? And I guess I, I'm curious how that transition went for you. Yeah, so the reason why that originally switched, well, I mean, like, from an historical standpoint, the reason why most acapella groups are all male is because, like, women were not allowed in collegiate spaces. So because of that, um, in a lot of ways, uh, that, like, kind of was a a historical kind of, like, baggage of of why a lot of groups have, or a lot of older groups are, like, all male. Um, For our group in particular, the reason, one of the big reasons why we had a split is, uh, shift is because of one of our um, alumni, Tegan Rabuano, who was actually our president of the group last year. So Tegan um, ended up coming out as uh, transgender. And because of that, we were like, oh, well, we shouldn't call ourselves all male anymore because not all members of our group are all male. And that actually prompted many, many, many discussions um, uh, that the next year when we were letting people in about like what that means for who we are and what type of people that means like we want to let in. And it was like a very, very um, 
it was a very slow transition that we all had to like grapple with like a lot especially like a lot of the older members that were very used to like having like a very all male space and what ended up happening is that we end up creating this area for like more diverse identities to come forward as the years have gone by and we actually went from admitting in one cisgender woman in um for that year two years ago in 2017 in the spring to having our first like all women um and uh class um this spring of 2019 we took three uh, we took three <laughs> of them which um would have never happened four years ago right so the fact that we were able to kind of like grapple with these questions about like identity and who we are was not one that i think was always necessarily like the most graceful or intentional thing sometimes but i think that the way that the group has changed has been changed for the better yeah. definitely oh, yeah. i love that I w we could talk about this forever but we have to unfortunately end our time with the vocaholics um guys thank you so much for your time and best of luck on your journey thank, thank, you, so so thank you so much that's it for this episode of Competition Countdown. Special thanks to Sam Baker for editing work. And tune in again next time for all your favorite in acapella competition news. The count goes on. Four, three, two, one.